It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome in to the April 10th, 2008 edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're part of it tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you tonight, as always, on Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Good to be with you. And we are glad that you're here tonight. Uh, This is a program that takes place every week. Uh, to uh, just open up the Bible and study from it so that we can gain guidance from it in our life. Dad, I say to gain guidance from the Bible in our life, because tonight we want to talk about a subject that may not be mentioned specifically in the Scriptures, but the Scriptures give us principles that can guide us in all areas of our life and about this subject we're talking about tonight as well. That's right. We want to talk tonight about the subject of gambling. And really, you know, it's a pretty uh, big problem in our society. Gambling is very pervasive and getting more and more prominent. Lots of people are involved in it. And if you were to ask someone, Jacob, what does the Bible say about gambling? What do you think the answer most people would give? Well, I uh, don't know what answer they would give, but I... The, I think I, they'd I, probably I, say, well, like you were saying, they'd probably say, oh, I don't, I don't even read about that in the Bible. I know there are a lot of people who believe the Bible and read the Bible and would claim to be following the Bible who would have no problem with gambling. I think that's right. I think there's plenty of people who call themselves Christians who do gamble, who participate in the lottery, who buy lotto tickets and all of that sort of thing. There are certain religious organizations who uh, sponsor gambling activities. Yeah, that's right. The Catholic Church, for instance, for many years has uh, been been very prevalent in uh, sponsoring bingo and uh, gambling on bingo. You can go and participate in their bingo contest, and it is a form of gambling. We'll talk more about that, but there's there's a case of even a, a huge religious body that's involved in promoting gambling. So it's a very prevalent thing. You had a couple questions to spark the interest in the subject tonight. Hit those questions real quick. Yeah, as we often do on, in fact, as we do it every week on Thursday, earlier in the day on Thursday, we send out an email question, a couple poll questions to those who are on our update list. As we And we've been reminding you, if you'd like to get on that update list, send us an email, let us know. Just put in the subject line, add me to your email list, and we'll do that. And every week on Thursday, we to our uh, regular participants, we send out a couple of questions to start getting feedback for the program. And today we asked two questions, and we've already got some responses. We want more. If you've not answered yet, please send in your email answer or give us a telephone call. Is gambling a sin? And if so, give your single best scriptural argument to prove it is a sin. Now, some people might say it's not. I think that if you say it's not, then give us your justification for why you believe it's not a sin. If you believe it is a sin, give us a scriptural argument to support your position. So that's question number one. Is it a sin? And if so, what's your argument to prove that it's a sin? Number two, is it gambling to do a couple of things? Number one, is it gambling to play the stock market? In other words, to have investments in the stock market. Maybe that'd be a better way to say it. Is it, is it gambling to have investments in the stock market? And is it gambling to buy raffle tickets? 
for instance, the little league season has started up in in full force, and I can I can already see the little leaguers coming around with their raffle tickets. If you'll buy a raffle ticket, you'll have a chance to win a, a you know I don't know what a you know a, a new fishing pole or something, and, but whatever. It, is it gambling to buy one of those raffle tickets when the kids come around or when the volunteer fire department has a raffle or whatever? Is it gambling to buy a raffle ticket? So those are our questions. For- Let us know your thoughts at 877-381-4567 or email your comments or questions to questions at collegeview.com. We hope you'll participate in the program tonight and join us in the studio tonight to help participate in the program. Bob Tidwell is here. Hello, Bob. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for coming tonight. And we look forward to talking with you. Yeah, we're going to throw it to you, Bob, and let you let you make all these arguments for us here on this gambling session. <laughs> it was yeah. a real gamble for you to show up. Yeah, you took a big risk being here tonight. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, Jabe, just to get a handle on how big gambling is, I pulled some statistics off the Internet earlier today. Gambling has increased tenfold in the United States since 1975. So, you know, you talk about it being a pervasive thing, lots of people involved in it. Gambling has increased tenfold, ten times as much gambling now as there was 30 years ago. 37 states have state-sponsored lotteries. Unfortunately, our own state of Tennessee has recently joined those ranks. We have a state lottery in Tennessee. We fought it, fought it hard. We're able to keep it out for a while, but those who were promoting it finally succeeded in getting it. Uh, it's estimated that two thirds of the adult population placed some placed some kind of a bet last year. Two out of every three adults in the U.S. made a bet on something last year. And you want to talk about how big it is? The legal proceeds from gambling are estimated to be close to $50 billion a year. That's the legal proceeds from gambling. There's a lot of illegal gambling that goes on, a lot of unreported gambling that goes on. But gambling from casinos and lotteries is estimated last year to have been close to $50 billion. That's huge. And that just tells you how much gambling is taking place and how many people are getting involved in gambling. All right. We want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts. Join in on the phone or over email tonight as we talk about uh, this subject, the subject of gambling. Bob, it's um, clear looking at our society and uh, just our everyday acquaintances, we know that the gambling is a big problem. It sure is. The uh, state of Tennessee has gotten involved in it in the way of the lottery, and many people really got into it. Certainly. Have you ever, have you ever been in a convenience store and had to wait to pay for your gas or your soda pop because there was a line of people there wanting to buy lottery tickets? It's amazing to me. But, I mean, you see it just when you go to the store and you see them buying their tickets i've been looking over the questions that you sent out dad and the answers that we've gotten back so far and it looks like we have people on both sides of the issue tonight uh at least to some extent and so we are looking forward to our listeners participation you know i got i got a quote uh, an ancient quote some of you who are listening will recognize the name tertullian who was a second century christian and did some writings now he was not an inspired writer but he's often quoted as one of the earliest Christians, not an apostle, not an inspired man, but one of the earliest Christians whose writings, some of whose writings have been preserved. And a quote from Tertullian, notice this, it says, if you say that you are a Christian when you are a dice player, you say what you are not because you are a partner with the world. 
And so, you know, we're talking about the increase of gambling, how many people are involved in gambling, that even Christians, they're involved in gambling. But way back in the second century, not long after Christianity had started, apparently people were gambling and Christians were being enticed to gamble as well. And so it's it's not a brand new problem. Been around for a long time. And I was looking at the statistic you had just a minute ago. Two thirds of the adult population placed some kind of bet last year. I would I don't know the statistics, but I would say more than two thirds, or, or in that two thirds would have to be the percentage of people who claim to be Christian in America. Is that's up in the seventies? Yeah, I or hope 80s? it's I not. I, well, yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, at least professed Christian. Yeah, the, yeah. use the term as loose as the world uses that term. That's right. But you know, I've, I mean, I've known some that I believe to be fairly conservative, sound Christians on most matters who try to argue in favor of buying those state lottery tickets. So it's not a, it's, it's not a, you know, a, a slam dunk to even assume that, you know, conservative, faithful Christians are abstaining from these gambling practices. Many are not. So we need to study it. We need to find out what the Bible says. But that takes us back to something you said earlier, Jacob. I, you know, do a word search fire up your computer uh, software there, your Bible software, and do a word search for gambling. I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to find it in the Bible. That word's not there. But there are principles, Bob, that that guide us. As in so many other things, we don't read about uh, specific uh, things mentioned in the Bible. We have principles that guide us on how to make the right decision. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, when, we, when I first heard what we were going to talk about this evening, the, one of the first things I thought about was Colossians 3, verse 5. And the idea there is Paul's warning about the idea of covetousness. And he tells us by way of definition, in the, even in that verse, that uh, it's idolatry. That's right. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So I think one of the things we want to talk about when we're talking about what's wrong with gambling is this business of covetousness. Well, Bob, covetousness is a $5 word, though. Break that down for us. What is covetousness? Because that really is uh, crucial to this discussion. Well, uh, when you go back to the old law, when you see that the law was established in Exodus chapter 20, uh, you understand as the law was written by the finger of God on tablets of stone given to the lawgiver Moses, that one of the thou shalt nots was thou shalt not covet thy neighbor, uh, the possessions, uh, family, you know, family unit, the wife, or so forth. And so you hear a lot about today people want to be like the Joneses. And we get in this fast-paced society trying to make a living, and we want to keep up with everybody else to have the nice luxuries of life where we need to be more focused on seeking God's kingdom. And God has never has never promised the the luxuries of life, but He does promise if we seek Him first and His righteousness, He's going to take care of us on a daily basis. The, the necessities of life. Right. I think that's right. We want to get to, and we want to get your input. Remember, one of our questions uh, is tonight that we want your input on: Is gambling a sin, and if so, why? I think Bob has opened up. Uh, uh, probably a prime argument here that we want to investigate as we get into this on the idea of covetousness, but send us your argument. If you think gambling's a sin, send us your scriptural argument that proves it. Now, we're not we're not looking for personal opinion here. You know, you may or may not like to gamble. You, you may personally prefer it or not prefer it, 
That's that's you know, personal preferences are one thing. We want scriptural arguments. If it's a sin, send us your scriptural argument to prove it's a sin. If you think it's not a sin, then give us an argument to justify that. That's what we're asking for there. I think it's really important in this discussion to get a, a an adequate definition of gambling because that's going to go to the second question: Is it a sin to invest in the stock market? Is it a sin to buy a raffle ticket? We got to have gambling defined. We got to have a good working definition of gambling. And one of the best that I've seen comes from uh, a fairly common source, the World Book Encyclopedia. And the World Book Encyclopedia says this is what gambling is. I think it works. It's a pretty good working definition. Betting on the outcome of a future event, gamblers usually bet money or something else of value as a stake on the outcome that they predict. In other words, there's some future event, and so they take something of value and put it up as a stake at risk for uh, uh, to stand in lieu of their prediction of what will happen in that future event. So let me read that again. Betting on the outcome of a future event, gamblers usually bet money or something else of value as a stake on the outcome they predict. When the outcome is settled, the winner collects the loser's stake. All right. So, Jacob, let's say that you and I make a bet on uh, who will win uh, a ball game, for instance. Or let's say, let's say, big thing going on in sports this week is the Masters tournament down in Augusta, Georgia. We make a bet. I bet that Tiger Woods will win the Masters again this year. And and I'm willing to say I put up five dollars. I bet you five dollars Tiger Woods will win the Masters. I give you the whole rest of the field. I'm taking Tiger. I'll give you the rest of the field, and I bet five dollars that Tiger wins. So you say I'll take that bet, and I'll match your five dollars. So we both have put up something of value, five dollars. It's a future event. The outcome of that golf tournament has not been determined yet. It's a future event. So there's your future event. It's an uncertain event. Now, Tiger's been winning everything lately, but it's not certain that he'll win. And so it's an uncertain future event. I make a prediction, and I put up something of value uh, in regards to my prediction of the outcome of that future value, and you do the same. Now, when Sunday evening rolls around and that golf tournament ends, then if Tiger is the victor in the golf tournament, I take your money. I take your stake. If Tiger does not win, you take my stake. That That is the definition of a gambling proposition. That's how it works. Now, in that definition, there are some necessary elements, and we want to sort of develop that because those ele- necessary elements are going to come to play in answering some specific questions. All right, we'll take a break, and then we'll go from there, and we'll talk about this important subject. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Take a minute, join in on the discussion as we talk about gambling on the virtual Bible study tonight. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. 
It's the show that television magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the program tonight. If you're just joining us, we're talking about gambling, asking the question, does the Bible condemn or does the Bible allow one to gamble? We want to hear your thoughts on the phone or over email tonight. Let's, let's, let's work on that definition real quickly, Jacob, and, and summarize that. Again, the World Book Encyclopedia says... Gambling is, quote, betting on the outcome of a future event. Gamblers usually bet money or something else of value as a stake on the outcome they predict. When the outcome is settled, the winner collects the loser's stake. Now, notice the necessary elements there. It's got to be an uncertain event, which is arbitrarily determined. There has to be a stake, money, and that, that is simply a stake. By the way, that's S-T-A-K-E, not S. Could be a stake. Could be, would that be the thing of value? You know, mm-hmm. I'll bet you a stake, uh, someone might say. But it's it's money or anything of value that's deliberately chanced in this proposition and it's agreed upon beforehand. <clears throat> and there's necessarily a winner and a loser. In order for this to be a gambling type of proposition, there has to be a winner and a loser. If if there's only a winner... No one loses anything, then that's not a that, that that's not gambling. If there's all, if everybody loses, that's not gambling. There has to be a winner and a loser. Now I believe that that definition is really really important, and if, and when those elements exist, you have a gambling situation. If those elements don't exist, if they don't fit this model, then it is not gambling. Now, having established that definition, Jacob, let's talk about some things that are not. Gambling things are that that don't fit the pattern, don't fit the definition. For instance, just taking a risk is not the kind of gambling that we're talking about tonight. You know, sometimes people use the word gamble uh, uh, synonymously with the idea of simply taking a risk. For instance, someone says it's a gamble just to cross. You're taking a gamble just to cross the street. Well, what they mean there is you're taking a risk. There's some risk involved in crossing the street, but that's not gambling. That's not the kind of sinful gambling that we're talking about here. There's no gain at another's loss. There's no stake uh, being uh, put up. There's no winner and loser. Uh, Now, if you wanted to place a a bet on that, Bob, I'll bet that you cannot walk blindfolded across that street 10 times without being hit by a car, and you take me up on that. Now, we could make it into a gambling proposition, but you just say you're taking a risk when you cross the street. That is not gambling, uh, and I think that's important because, you know, for instance, when a farmer plants uh, his crops in the spring, he's taking a risk. I mean, there's some risk that his investment in the seed and the fertilizer and the, uh, all of the labor to plant the, the seed will not yield a harvest. There's a risk involved, but it's not gambling. And so just taking a risk does not constitute gambling. And I think we've got to stress that. Those words are sometimes used synonymously, but they are not exactly synonymous. 
Um, you know, starting a business. Someone says it's a risky thing to start a business. Probably is. A lot of businesses that start go out of business, but taking that risk to start a business, that's not the sinful gambling that we're trying to describe in our in our discussion tonight. Well, we know those things aren't sinful because those activities are endorsed in the scriptures without uh, condemnation. The idea of planning or uh, of of investing, those uh, those ideas are not uh, condemned in the scriptures, and so gambling then obviously is not. Uh, associated with those type of activities because those would be condemned. Now, another thing that I think is not gambling is to invest in the stock market. I'm going to say that it's not sinful to invest in the stock market, although there is risk involved in the stock market. Uh, you're, you're actually buying something of value. In other words, when you buy a stock in a company, then you become a part owner in that company. You're making an investment in a business. You own something. Now, the value of that business may increase or decrease, but it doesn't fit the definition or model of, of gambling that we're using tonight because there's no stake uh, involved. There's no winner-loser built into the proposition. In fact, what we're hoping for is everybody gains. When we make an investment in the stock market, we're hoping that everybody gains and nobody loses you know, in regards to that stock that we have purchased. But now purchasing stock could be sinful if you're doing it for the wrong reason, if you're doing it for that covetous reason, Bob, and you want to, uh, you're wanting to get more and more uh, possessions, more and more profit and gain, then that could be a sin. Yeah, that's correct because you're getting into the danger of the attitude of greed, and we know certainly that greed is a form of covetousness. Right. Yeah, there might be other reasons why you, you know, I mean, you could sin. You could sin in a lot of ways about a lot of things involving money and trying to make a profit, but just investing in the stock market per se is not a, is not gambling, and that's the specific Purchasing thing. a new automobile is not gambling, but it could be wrong if it's covetous. That's it's, right. It's covetous, that. Covetousness could cover a lot of things. We're going right. to talk about covetousness in relationship to gambling. You could demonstrate covetousness in a lot of ways that don't have anything to do with gambling, but in regards to purchasing or investing in the stock market, it's not gambling per se. Our friend Randy in Jackson, Missouri, has answered that question. Jacob, he says, "Is it when we ask the question, is it a sin to invest in the stock market?" He says, "No. Wise investments in the stock market are no different than investing in your own business or someone else's business. You know, let, let's say that I'm going to start a business, and uh, you know, I don't know, we, we're going to." Uh, sell fish on, you know, fish and chips on, in, in a store. Are you cooking? Well, you're probably not eating if well, I'm cooking. It would be risky with investment yeah, there. Yeah, but if I, if I'm going to have to put up some money to get my business started. I'm starting this fish uh, restaurant. I'm going to have to invest some money, but th that's not gambling. Now, there's risk involved. I could lose that money if the if the restaurant doesn't succeed. I could lose money, but I have not sinfully gambled in the matter. Now, Bob, if you decide to start a fish restaurant and you say, I need some startup capital, Greg, give me a hundred bucks toward the equipment that I need to start my restaurant, I might say, yeah, I'll do that because I think, I, I think you can, you can make it. There's a need for that kind of business. I think you're capable of pulling it off. I'll invest in your business. You know, I'll give you a hundred, a hundred dollars of startup capital. That That's not simple. That's, that doesn't fit the definition of gambling. And it's not a sin. I think Randy's right that it's not a sin to invest in the stock market. Uh, Jacob, we got an email from Jason in Pennsylvania. What does he say on that stock market question? Stock is a means for people to become part owners of a company. Buying stock is no more gambling than his ownership of any other business. 
When stock is sold, both buyer and seller agree on the price. There is no wager, no prior agreement to risk loss at another's expense. If either thinks the price is unfair, they refuse to deal. The aim when buying stock in a company is not to gain something at someone else's expense. I'm sure there are ways, are there unethical ways to be involved in the stock market? I'm not, I'm just not aware of any, Jason says. Okay. So good comments there. All right. And we got an email from Johnny in Loretto, Tennessee, who says, of course, it is gambling to play the stock market. If you're asking if it's wrong to play a stock market, it depends on your motives. Now, I, I think, I think that Johnny is using the word gambling there as a synonym, a synonym for risk. I think this is an example of how sometimes we use those words interchangeably. He says, is it gambling to play a stock market? And he says, of course it is. But then he goes on to say, now, if you're asking if it's wrong, he says it depends on your motives. Well, I think what he's saying is, is, it, is there a risk in the stock market? Of course there is. Is it wrong? Well, he says it depends upon your motive. Uh, Proverbs 119, he quotes, so are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Proverbs 15:27. He that is greedy of gain troubles his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. Now, what Johnny's saying there is what we've been already alluding to is that if you've got this problem of greed and covetousness, then you could make the stock market or anything else sinful if you are, you know, demonstrating greed and covetousness. But I think what Johnny Johnny's doing there is what we often do is use the word gamble. Uh, interchangeably with the word risk, and just a risk does not make a thing a sinful gambling action. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to your participation on the program tonight. You can answer those two questions. You can answer or ask another question. You might want to answer this question that comes in from David in Somerset, Kentucky. He says, maybe we could have a discussion about whether paying an entrance fee, for example, to play in a golf tournament, in which the winner is rewarded in some way. How does that relate to gambling or not? We appreciate David in Somerset, Kentucky, for that question. You may want to answer that question over the phone or over email tonight, or you may just make, want to make another question or comment on the subject. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Uh, on the stock market question, we've got an email that's come in from Keith in Lynchburg, Tennessee. Keith, glad you're listening out there on the virtual Bible study tonight. He says, in regards to this a question, what constitutes gambling? He says, anytime you have an entrance fee or a bet and you put this money on a game or future unknown event and there is a payout on the win, then it is gambling. If any of these three is missing, then it is, con it is a contest, not gambling. The stock market does not, excuse me, the stock market does have risk, but it is not for the purpose of removing income from other individuals. It is an investment in a company or venture with an expectation of return on the investment. A carnival event has all three characteristics mentioned, a chance bought, a game played, and a reward at the expense of the ticket seller. So uh, I think Keith uh, is right on. He's saying you've got to have these critical elements, and the stock market doesn't contain all of those critical elements. You know, in, in, in a good market, Everyone would gain. If the stocks go up, all gain. No one, in other words, if I bought a stock for a dollar today and tomorrow it was worth three dollars, well, the, I, I haven't gained my three dollars at the loss of somebody else. I haven't gained the two dollars on my dollar investment at the loss of someone else. In fact, everybody who bought into that stock 
all gained in the process of it becoming more valuable. That's just simply a case of an investment becoming worth more than it was before. And no one has lost in order to make that happen. Therefore, it's not gaining. Well, if, if, if it was wrong to do that in the stock market, it would be wrong to do that in the real estate market as well. It would be wrong to do that anywhere where you're making a profit. In other words, you're buying something and hoping it goes up in value. As you say, we do that with our houses. We do that with other things. You know, Maybe, maybe you collect old coins. Well, one of, the, one of the things that you'd want to do is you'd want to invest in coins that you hope you buy at a certain value and it becomes worth more at some time later. But, but it, your increase is not obtained because someone else lost when things go up in value. And so that's uh, I think that's right, and I think Keith is right on in, in his answer there. Thank you, Keith, for your participation tonight. All right, it's time for us to take a break, and it's time for you to join in on the discussion. If you have not weighed in already, the number to call is 877-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. We're taking a break, and we're going to hear this week's bullet point. We're also taking a minute to get ready to take your comments. We hope you'll join in on the discussion. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. According to the politicians, state lotteries are for the educational benefit of our children. Steve Klein has suggested that the lottery will indeed educate our children, but maybe not in the ways we're being led to believe. Here's what our children will be taught by the lottery. They will be taught that gambling is a better solution to a financial problem than work and sacrifice. The Bible teaches that financial problems can be overcome by the work and charity of individuals. The Christian is to, quote, labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need, Ephesians 4, verse 28. Our children will also be taught that the end justifies the means. There were those in Paul's day who said, let us do evil that good may come, Romans chapter 3, verse 8. Passing the lottery ostensibly for the sake of education will say exactly that to our children. It will say that if you're trying to accomplish something good, it doesn't matter what evil you have to do in the process. They'll also be taught that a moral principle can always be sacrificed for a financial interest. The message will be clear that they need never let morality stand in the way of getting money. And they will learn again that the older generation, their parents and those in charge of running the country, cannot be trusted to solve social problems only to create them. It is a simple fact that lotteries create more social problems than they solve. According to a study by Maryland's Attorney General, child abuse increases dramatically when gambling comes into an area. The Massachusetts Department of Public Health has indicated that when it comes to illegal activity among young people, gambling is second only to alcohol in prevalence. Many other similar statistics could be cited. The point is that when adults pass the lottery, they are once again betraying their children's trust. Many children will learn the lessons mentioned here, believing them to be the truth. Are these the lessons you want taught to your children by way of the lottery? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. Dad, during the break, a question came in that uh, should spawn some discussion. And we'd like to hear from our listeners on the phone or over the email tonight on this important question. comes from Mark in Cookville. Yeah, Mark in Cookville has asked a question. I'd like to get to this. I'd like to make this uh, something we deal with before the program's over. Let's just throw it out there and we'll get to it before we're done. He, he's he's saying gambling is a sin, and he gives some reasons here, and we're going to go through some reasons here in a minute. But he says, is it a sin to accept the proceeds of gambling even though you didn't participate in the gambling? 
For example, should college students actively seek and try to obtain scholarship money funded by the lottery? Oh, now, now that may strike close to home to some people. What do you think about that? You got a student going to college, you know, and there's they they passed the lottery, Bob, because they said they were going to fund college scholarships with it. And they, and they are doing that. I mean, I, I know they're doing that. And so there's this scholarship money out there that you can get. It's actually pretty easy to get, I understand. And yet it's come from gambling proceeds. Would it be right for someone who opposes gambling to say, I will take the money from that gambling sponsored scholarship that's a, well, that's, that's a powerful question mark you have really you've really hit upon something there mark and we appreciate your participation and, and bob looks like he has an answer to that question and i think our listeners will as well so we'll hold that for now and we'll get to it later on in the program send your email now or jump on the phone and let us know your thoughts could you take that scholarship money that comes from gambling proceeds let us know your thoughts on the program real quick we want to get to some of these scriptural arguments about uh, gambling but I, w- I want to take that other part of that that one question we asked Jacob is it gambling to buy raffle tickets we've been trying to define gambling and what it is and is it a is it gambling to buy a raffle ticket you know the little league comes around they're selling raffle tickets because they're trying to get up money to run their little league operation is it gambling to buy a raffle ticket? Uh, Jason in Pennsylvania says, I've heard people say that when you get a raffle ticket, you're giving a donation to a good cause. The way I see it, buying a raffle ticket is a purchase, not a donation. It's great to make a donation to a worthy cause, but we shouldn't be deceived into gambling when someone claims that buying a raffle ticket is a donation. It's gambling. Just give a donation. Our focus on giving a donation should never be on what we can receive out of our gift. I think he's right. I mean, I, I don't mind giving a couple bucks to the local little league, you know, to operate their their uh, program. But I should not say, well, I'll give the couple bucks if I've got an outside chance of winning that fishing pole. Isn't that the way we look at things, though, Bob? We'll do something if there's something in it for us. Even with serving God, that's how we look at our service to God. I'll do it if there's I think I get something out of it. Yeah, I think we do because uh, we usually think about ourselves on a daily basis. Well, the first, first thing, right? Uh, yes, I think it's just common thought. Uh, first things that we do is what can I get out of something? And uh regards to the idea of receiving money, uh, like a scholarship through the lottery, uh, it's funny that y'all brought that up because uh, my older son is looking to go to college, and we've uh, talked about the idea of could he or should he receive you know, the benefit of that kind of money. And certainly we have the persuasion that, no, we, we shouldn't go that route. Okay. All right. We'll hear what. Okay. Bob's on record. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to see who else will go on record about that question. Look, on the raffle question, on the raffle ticket question, Randy and Jackson, Missouri says, is it, a, is it gambling to buy raffle tickets? He says, maybe yes, maybe no. If I consider the purchase of a raffle ticket a pure donation, it's okay. If I buy the ticket out of greed and wanting to multiply my money at another's expense, then it's gambling. You know, I, I think I think a lot of people think about the raffle ticket. It's just a buck. You know, it's just a dollar. What's the big deal? Why are you getting? Better? You know, well, if it if if it's not a big deal, then why don't I just give the dollar? Why don't I just make the donation and take it out of that realm entirely? I, that that's always been my approach to that. I I think that the raffle ticket, by the definition that we're working with as to what constitutes gambling, the raffle ticket is gambling. You know, you're you're putting up a stake on an uncertain future event. In other words, I'm saying I'm willing to put up a stake of a dollar that says I think they'll pull my number when they draw that raffle, 
And so it's an unfuture certain event. I'm putting up a stake. When the outcome is determined, the winner gets the loser stake. That's what we said was the, was gambling. And and raf, the raffle, the typical raffle, although it you know may be in in an effort to finance some worthy activity, it meets the definition of gambling. And so I I just don't do it. I don't think I don't think we should. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. That's the telephone number to use. Join in. The line's open. We're ready to take your calls. Let's talk about, Jacob, let's talk about some of the reasons why gambling is wrong. Um, and we've got... Uh, well, you're not done with the raffle tickets here yet. Oh, oh, we've got go Johnny ahead. here oh, in Naomi, Tennessee. He says his answer is the same as the stock market. It depends on your motive. For example, you buy a raffle ticket to help someone that is sick for a f- raising money. Help someone, then by all means buy it. The motive of your heart is what matters. Being greedy or lusting is what the Bible condemns. We would say that it also would condemn taking that money from someone else out of out of greed or, you know, taking someone else's possessions that you haven't earned. And so we would have a problem with the raffle tickets for that reason. Okay. Uh, let's talk about, let's talk about scriptural arguments. You know, I, I don't think any of the email responses I'm seeing, Jacob, say that gambling's okay. I'd like to go to one of those. If you're out well, there listening. Uh, we have Johnny. Well, what's he say? Johnny in Leoma uh, says gamble is gambling a sin. All of us gamble one way or another every day if we are living. Buying a life insurance policy could be considered gambling. However, defining gambling in the sense of taking a risk or taking a chance on a business venture is not necessarily wrong unless you do it with the wrong frame of mind. The frame of one's mind is the key to whether it's a sin. If you take a necessary chance on a business such as farming or even in a, a business deal, this is normal. Is gambling a sin? Only if you do it out of greed or lust. The Bible doesn't say gambling is a sin, but it does speak of one's greed. So, but Johnny, Johnny would agree with us that we couldn't be greedy, but he may, he may say if you didn't have the greed in your heart, you could gamble. Well, see, I think, I think he's, but I think in his answer, we're seeing what is, is a big part of this problem. It's the question of defining the thing. He's, he, he's equating gambling with making, taking a, a business risk or, 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 some other thing that may bring a return or not a return. And we're saying that to take a risk, he mentions uh, a chance on a business like farming or a business deal. Uh, He says that's not necessarily wrong. I agree. That's not wrong. Now that's a risk. There's a risk involved, but it's not gambling. And I think, I think one of our, one of our uh, differences with Johnny here is that, that we're not defining our terms similarly. Well, Johnny said it wouldn't be a sin if you gambled and you weren't doing well, out of greed or lust. Which we would say that's probably impossible, but also we'd say it would be a sin to do well, it because you're taking someone else's um, belongings. Well, but still, I still think there's a problem with his definition. You know, the 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 uh, the rich farmer who who said, Bob, you know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns, and you know, I'll say to myself, take thine ease, you know, uh, eat, drink, and be merry, and the Lord condemned him because of covenants that's an act that's actually in luke chapter 12 and jesus just before he told that parable of the foolish rich farmer said in luke chapter 12 verse 15 take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things he possesseth then he told the parable of the rich farmer and so there was farming is not a sin people have been farming ever since there was time ever since adam got kicked out of the garden of eden people have been farming uh it's not a it's not a sin to take a risk on planting a crop and gaining a return, but you could sin you could sin by greed and covetousness as a farmer. That rich farmer in Luke 12 did, uh, 
And that's, I, mean, I guess that's what Johnny's talking about there, but that doesn't fit the, the gambling definition. So I, I think that's where we're going I think there. Johnny would agree with the arguments that we're going to make in saying that gambling is wrong. And so we appreciate his comments tonight. Let's go through those arguments, Dad, quickly before we go to our next break. I think that one of the things we say about gambling that would make it wrong is that it is addictive. Um, statistics say 15 million people in the United States are displaying signs of gambling addiction. It may be more than that now. Are those statistics uh, current? I don't know how current these stats are. The Internet internet has really prompted a lot of gambling. Yeah, there's a lot of Internet gambling. That's right. This, uh, this, This source says the average debt incurred by a pathological gambler in the United States is between $55,000 and $90,000 debt incurred. In other words, that's how bad it gets. That guy's maybe upwards of $100,000 in debt, and he keeps gambling. He's got a problem. It's addictive. And the Bible warns us about addictive practices. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, Paul says, I will not be brought under the power of anything. And the New American Standard says, I will not be mastered by anything. People are being mastered by or brought under the power of gambling. And so we would say it should not be engaged in because it has addictive properties. All right. Yeah, you, you look at those uh, those people who have gone into debt and risk their family's well-being uh, for gambling. Certainly it is addictive, Bob. That can't be denied. That's, that's exactly right. Uh, what we need to be addicted to is the Word of God and have the mindset that we want to please God and the idea of gambling takes away from that mindset of serving. All these. What it what it does is a good point you've got in in this too is that it violates the principle of our love for one another, and it goes against uh, Matthew seven twelve what we would might call the golden rule. Uh, exactly right. It violates the principle of love that we're supposed to love our neighbor. In other words, I don't love you if I'm trying to take what's yours, and that's what gambling does. If you and I bet on something, Bob. Then I'm trying to get what's yours, right? And so I, I couldn't be loving my neighbor as myself. Well, that's the problem with sin. Um, it's self-centered. We've got this old cliche of me, myself, and I, and I think that's what's wrapped around this idea of gambling is that we're looking to gain on the expense of someone else. Exactly right. Uh, Keith and Lynchburg says gambling's a sin. The sole purpose of gambling is to redistribute the funds of many to the bank accounts of a few. The best verse I can come up with is love thy neighbor as thyself. If we treat our neighbor as ourselves, we wouldn't be trying to get his paycheck for nothing. And so uh, Keith uh, in Lynchburg has mentioned that as one of the arguments about gambling. So we've said it's addictive. It violates the principles of love and the golden rule. It's covetousness. We've been mentioning that since the program started. One of the problems with gambling is it's a sure sign of covetousness. Why would you do it if you weren't demonstrating covetousness? Another thing about yeah, it. Yeah, why, why would you even engage in it, Bob? If I didn't want what you have, why would I even want to bet you for something of, that you have? Why would I want to uh, gamble with you for, for something that you've got? I, I have to want your possessions before I'll even enter into that. Now, that's correct. And, again, God warns us about that. Uh, uh, we need to take care of our own and uh, make a living for ourselves. Uh, again, the, the, the head of the household is charged to take care of his own his family unit, and that's uh, to go out and make the living yourself instead of trying to take it from others who have it. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that, that we also see about gambling that would be make it wrong is that it's it's a violation of the principle of stewardship. You know, we are blessed with things from God, 
And based upon those blessings, we're to be good stewards of how we use those blessings. And gambling is just bad stewardship, to be sure. I mean, uh, you think about people gambling. There are obviously more people losing than gaining. Um, the uh, the casinos would go out of business if they were given out more than they were taken in. Uh, the state lotteries would not be funding anything with with lottery money if they were paying out more than they were taking in. It's a bad bet. Uh I saw this statistic I thought was pretty interesting. Households with incomes under $10,000 bet nearly three times as much on lotteries as those with incomes over $50,000. Who's who's buying lottery tickets? When you go in the convenience store and you see people buying lottery tickets, who's buying those lottery tickets? As a general rule, there's probably exceptions to it. The rich people are not buying lottery tickets. It's the poor people who are buying those lottery tickets with the idea that they can get rich quick and easy. And 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 they're losing their money. And what I think is particularly troubling, and I've talked about this before, you know, for instance, as it is here in the state of Tennessee, they're using lottery money to fund scholarships. The poor people are buying lottery tickets to send the rich people's kids to college. And that, I mean, that's just that's really sickening when you stop thinking about it. But it it all goes to this idea of poor stewardship, and the and the poor people who are hoping to get rich quick are losing their money uh, by gambling. All right, we're going to take a break, and then we'll get your questions or comments on the other side. Hopefully, we'll get some questions or some comments about the question that Mark posed from Cookville, Tennessee, where he asked, could you take the scholarship money that many states are offering that comes from the lottery proceeds? Could you accept those proceeds as a scholarship money if it comes from the lottery let us know your thoughts at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We'll continue right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 Four, five, six, seven. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we'll do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hi, my name is Hunter. I'm 11 years old, and I love listening to the virtual Bible study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And welcome back. Thank you for joining us on the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. Check out our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com to find out more about what the College View Church of Christ is all about. Talking about gambling on the program tonight, Jason in Pennsylvania has this response to the question, is gambling a sin? He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, we are instructed to be diligent in working with our own hands for what we have. When you gamble, you are trying to get rich quick at someone else's expense without effort. Instead of accomplishing productive labor that benefits others, the gambler seeks to get something for nothing by taking what other people have earned. This is not a work ethic that the scriptures teach us to have. 
It is not loving to those who lose when we win. Gambling is an action mostly based on covetousness and greed. It does not set a good example and can lead to addiction in other sense. Right on, Jason. I think you're exactly right. Thanks for your answer tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. Mindy in Jackson, Tennessee says, My scriptural objection to gambling would be covetousness and greed. Ephesians 5, 5, 1 Corinthians 6, 10. It is, being, uh, is it being a good steward of God's money? Luke 12, you risk losing money because of your own greed and covetousness. The love of money is the root of all evil, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. The golden rule, the gambler wants everyone else to lose, Philippians 2, verse 4. Also, what kind of example and influence on others would I be if I gambled my money? So several good reasons there listed in Mindy's email. Thank you, Mindy, for listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. All right, we've got a couple questions out there still. Wait, real quick, Wait. real quick. i got I got to get Mark's answer to this, Jacob. He says, gambling is a sin. He, he references a tract by Donnie Rader on this subject, and he, he says, First uh, Corinthians 6, 12, gambling is addictive, and we should not be brought under the power of anything. It's covetousness, Colossians 3, 5. It violates the principles of love and the golden rule. It's stealing by consent, Matthew 7, verse 12. And uh, he, he says there's more in that tract on that subject. So that's not a good track to get a hold of Donnie Rader on gambling. He's got a track. Thank you, Mark. All right. We have a few minutes left in the program. We've got two questions out there at least that we'd like your consideration and your comments on. Uh, we have David in Somerset, Kentucky. He asks, is it a sin? Is it gambling to enter into a golf tournament, maybe a fishing tournament where there's an entrance fee and where the winner takes the pot? Is that gambling? And then Mark in Columbia, Tennessee, has asked, what about taking scholarships that are, f- are funded by the lottery? What do you think about that? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Plenty of time to take your comments tonight. Keith has sent in an email here, Jacob, to answer the question about entering like a golf tournament. He said, you had a question about golf scrambles. One of the reasons why I studied to find the truth was because the minister where I was attending promoted a scramble at church with it even being in the church bulletin. He said, when I confronted him about it, his argument was that the insurance company that insured the event required a payout on a hole-in-one, etc. He said it was not gambling, but I told him it had an entrance fee. It had a game played, with the hole-in-one being the goal of the players, and cars and trucks and money being paid out to the winners. How does an insurance company requiring a payout change the fact that it is gambling, even if it's for a good cause? When it is the church, when is it the church's business to take part in such an event? So that's Keith's response to that. I think what Keith is saying, and I think I have to agree with him, is that those elements that we've said establish a thing by definition as being gambling are present in that kind of an arrangement. So I think, you know, if we're going to be consistent, you know, on on these kind of questions, one of the great challenges is to be consistent. You know, I think if if I brought up to most people and said, listen, uh, would you take $10,000 and go to Las Vegas and and venture it in gambling in Las Vegas, $10,000? They say, oh, man, no way, $10,000. Would you take 10 cents? And and uh, you know wager it on the flip of a coin, you know heads or tails, and you win or lose ten cents. Ah, it's just ten cents. But the point of it is, if we're going to be consistent, then ten thousand dollars or ten cents doesn't matter. If we're consistent in the matter, if it's gambling and if it fits the definition of gambling, you got to stay away from it. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. Thank you, Keith, for your input on the question tonight. 
we have some other comments coming in. All right. Uh, we've got a, a, a response from Jackson, Tennessee, on the scholarship question. Jacob says, if gambling is a sin, then we should not want to accept the proceeds from sin. Abstain from every form of evil. If we want to go to heaven, we'll avoid anything that is questionable. All right. I I, I would have to agree with that. Look, uh, here's a parallel. I think it's parallel. Um, I'm going to rob a bank. Bob, you said that your son, Bryce, wants to go to college and he needs some money. Now, I'm going to rob a bank tomorrow, and I'm going to – now, I want to keep some of the money for myself. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to give Bryce $20,000. I think I'll probably get you know, a couple hundred thousand when I rob the bank tomorrow, and I'm going to give Bryce 20000 so he can go to college next year. Would you take it? I don't think he would. <laughs> That's not, I mean, if we know that it's a sinful thing that garnered the funds – we would say, absolutely not. I'm not going to participate. Or, you know, let's say some drug dealer. He's making lots of money selling illegal drugs. And he's, I'll give you some money to send your son to college. You going to take it? No. If, it, if, if, if the proceeds have been obtained from a sinful activity, we wouldn't want to participate. All right. I, I probably wouldn't take the scholarship money either. But let me ask you to be consistent. The state of Tennessee collects taxes on alcohol sales. And the state uses that money to provide services to us. Are we are we being inconsistent when we drive on the roads that the alcohol tax is paid for, or we benefit from the services that the alcohol tax is provided? Well, certainly I, we don't want to endorse any of that activity, but are we responsible for how the funds were obtained if we accept those funds uh, from the state? I understand what you're saying, but there there's some difference. I mean that. And there's some similarity, but there's also some difference. In the matter of receiving the scholarship money, I'm receiving that personally. I'm making a personal choice to be a recipient of that activity. My problem with it would be is I would be I would feel like I was endorsing that activity and that that arrangement by yeah. accepting the funds, and I wouldn't want to endorse that. So I I would abstain from it that way. There's, but there's, more, there's, to... there's more of a direct link to the scholarship and the lottery than okay. there is to. In other words, when when someone sees me driving my car on the on a Tennessee highway, they're not saying, "Look at that guy. He's in. He endorses alcohol and the buying and selling and consuming of alcohol." Nobody equates my activity of driving on a on a paved Tennessee highway as being an endorsement of drinking alcohol. But if I take one of the lottery scholarships, that's a direct connection to the activity. And, and, and that, then they could say, look at all these students, and they give the number of students, and my name is in that pile of, of students who've gotten the scholarship. Look at all the students who've benefited from the lottery. You ought to play the lottery because of we've gotten 50,000 students through college because of it, and now I'm one of them that can be used as an as a advertisement. So I agree with that, with those arguments. Uh, we got an email from um, Chris in Lexington, Tennessee, who says, can we, as Christians, take advantage of college grant money from the Tennessee lottery? First, the Bible clearly demonstrates that covetous activities such as the Tennessee lottery are sinful. The next question many have asked is, can a Christian receive government benefits that that the money is from the lottery that money from the lottery has provided? First, we need to understand the practical side of government and our money. While the Tennessee government has sold the state the idea of a lottery by taking by talking about how the funds will be used for educational grant money, government money, and and wait a minute, government, wait a minute, I'm not reading that right. How funds will be used for educational grant money, government and money do not work in a, in such a simple way. When our government establishes a budget, they will not look at where the money came from to decide where it is going. 
Instead, they will look at the amount of it they expect to get from all the various sources and then budget it. Further, as we examine this question closely, uh, we realize that it is only a surface question that will lead to many more. Can a Christian store owner accept money from a person who won the lottery to buy goods in the store? Can a Christian hold a job in which salary comes from sin tax on alcohol? Can a Christian sell his car to a doctor who performs abortions or a man who runs a liquor store? All of these questions are really the same. Do we have to trace the money back to the original source? If so, how far back do we have to go? The principle of 1 Corinthians 5.10 applies in this situation. The only consistent rule to avoid uh, funds that originated under questionable means would be to go uh, out of the world. To go out of the world. God, God does not... Uh, where am I here? God does not expect us to, to run a background check on every bit of money that comes our way. Finally, just as paying taxes to our government does not mean we endorse everything our government spends money on, neither does accepting money from the government mean we endorse every way in which our government receives money. Therefore, while I certainly want you to live within the bounds of your conscience on this matter, I believe, Romans 14:23, I believe you can allow your children to accept educational grant money from the state government. So Chris is saying, you know, he, he's seeing some separation between the receipt of those scholarship funds and how they were obtained. And, and that's what you'd have to do in order to conscientiously participate in that. And he raises lots of other questions. In other, in other words, can I sell my car to a doctor who performs abortions? I, in other words, the question is linkage. How closely are the activities linked? If, if, I, if I have a used car for sale... Now, I don't know any doctor in the world who would want my car. I mean, <laughs> let's say for some reason, there's a, if, he, if a doctor's wanting to buy my car, he, there must be something wrong with his medical practice. But let, let's say I, I've got a car and a doctor wants to buy it, and I sell my car to the doctor. There's no linkage. Nobody who knows me who or who is aware of the fact that I sold this car to that doctor is going – now, the money he paid me may have come from abortions, which he performed, but nobody is going to – make a linkage there and say that obviously indicates, you know, a, an endorsement or an agreement with that activity. And so I think that, they, and I think Chris is right, I think he raises the right question, is there linkage and and how closely is it linked? And there's some judgment involved in that. My judgment is that I don't, I, I would not participate in that because I think it's too closely linked, but I'd be willing to grant that others could do that with a conscience, with, with a good conscience and not see a linkage bob your thoughts yeah i can say uh you know it's like going into a store that would sell liquor are you going in there to buy it or are you there to buy you know food mm -hmm. to buy for your family mm -hmm. and that's you know certainly a lot of the grocery stores around uh sell both they, they sell the goods to provide for the family for food but they also sell you know alcohol beer and I go in and I purchase. How much does that money go in regards to that liquor that they sell? That's not your responsibility, though, at that point after right. you purchase. Yeah, right. yeah. So it, and so I think I think it is the question of linkage. I, um, for me, there's too much linkage between the scholarship money and the lottery. But I, I agree with Chris. I mean, I think Chris is very thorough in his analysis of that. I think that he's saying, you know. It is a judgment as to how closely those things are linked. So I appreciate Chris's comment. We got a comment from Brad Jacob. Uh, read that North Alabama. Oh, all right. Brad uh, says from Athens, Alabama, the Jewish leadership who put Jesus to death could actually answer this question correctly. As hypocritical as they were, when Judas threw down the money that was that the corrupt priest uh, 
themselves had given him to betray Jesus, the Jewish leadership recognized that money is tainted. Therefore, they would not put that money into the temple treasury. Similarly, to take the proceeds, uh, that is a scholarship of an evil act, that is the lottery, is wrong. I heard such, I've heard such a situation called eating fruit from the poison tree. That really paints the picture well. So Brad says you couldn't take scholarship money. Okay, and we got one more. I'm not sure this is on this question. Uh, oh, this is a question about the stock market, and, and we did talk about the stock market earlier. The, this this uh, questioner is asking, did he mention the stock market? And we said, yes, the stock market is not gambling by definition, and we've talked about that. You can hear that answer in the archive that will be posted here shortly on our website. Any other comments coming in? I think we've got all of these late coming comments uh, covered. Certainly some things to think about. I don't plan on going back to school, so I don't have to answer the question for myself. I'm not going to back to school. And that's more, one more reason and why I don't, I, don't have have any kids. I don't have any kids that are going to school, so I'm out of that. And, but I do think it's a worthy question. I do think I, I, I do think that it should be considered carefully. It's not it's not a it's not a, a, a question that's just an an obvious thing. You've got to spend some time. Thinking about it. And you've got to honor your conscience, as Chris said in his email. Uh, it, it's certainly worthy of some consideration. Yeah, while, while I wouldn't uh, say someone is wrong for taking the money if, they're, if, if they believe it's the right thing to do, my conscience would say, you know, it'd be better to abstain from that just so I don't give the impression, Bob, that I'm endorsing that, uh, that arrangement, which is sinful at its heart. Right. All right. Well, that's been a good discussion, Jacob. I think we've covered some important topics. And I, I was kind of surprised when we were looking in, in our archives that we had not talked about gambling in the past. So it's it's worth talking about. All right. Well, it has been beneficial. Bob, thank you for taking time from your Thursday evening to be a part well, of the it's been a delight to be here with you overnight. And I thank you, Dad, for the time. Tonight. Thanks, Jacob. By the way, uh, we might remind all of our listeners, check out those archives. we got all the archives of over two and a half years going on three years worth of the virtual Bible study now. So we've covered... 100 going on 150 different topics and they're all out there on the website and it serves as a pretty good resource if you're thinking about some question and you want to hear what somebody had to say about it go look it up you can you can actually search it we don't have a search feature on our website but if you hit control f uh when you're at the archive page and type in the word you're looking for it'll show you if it's there we've got almost 150 programs up there so almost every topic has been covered but not every topic and if you have one that we haven't talked about on the virtual bible study why not send it in and let us know that you'd like to have that discussed on the virtual Bible study. We'll continue, consider it for a future program. Exactly right. Thanks right. for listening tonight. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll be back here next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.